Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back in to Nuanez Now, one-stop shop for all things sports across the Treasure State each and every weekday right here. 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide, SWX Montana Television. Missed your thing in the first hour of the show, Razim Seabrook riding shotgun with me, Coulter Nuanez. We talked all sorts of things. Talked about DMX, a sad day, a passing of an icon. I, 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 I'm so interested to see how he's remembered because he was such a moment-in-time guy. I think that he... It's not an overstatement for me to say that he's an icon, but I don't think that very many people that aren't from like our sort of similar age demographic, between mid-30s and mid-40s, I don't think anybody else really will ever get DMX, so we'll see how he's remembered. But we talked some DMX, we also talked some Grizz football, which we'll talk more about Grizz football here uh, upcoming as well. Talk about culture, what makes culture in high school sports programs and at high schools in general, because Regime does help out down at Sentinel High School as a coach. We also talked to Raleigh Wooster in the transfer portal. Where's he going? What's the right fit for him? Where will the Missoula Hellgate alum land? If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can find it on the podcast. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications, as well as the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel and Sportsbet Montana. Want to give us a call or shoot us a text? 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. I don't know if you've been following. I've always obviously been following this like it's my job because, well, it is. It is. <laughs> but the NCAA transfer portal has been going crazy. It's been going completely off the hook. And uh, it's been particularly vicious when it comes to Big Sky Conference men's basketball. As of this morning, we now have 41 entries from Big Sky Conference men's basketball. To put that into perspective, in Division One men's basketball, you get 13 scholarships. There's 11 teams in the Big Sky Conference, so that means there's 143 scholarshiped players in the Big Sky Conference. 41 is 28% of the scholarship players in the league. And the 41 number, this is not since the, the origin of the portal two and a half years ago. This is not in the last calendar or academic year. This is since the Big Sky Tournament got over two weeks ago. I guess it's three weeks by now, but regardless... The exodus has been profound, and it's affecting teams on a variety of different levels. 
You got a team like Idaho who only won one game last year. Well, you got seven guys leave. How are you going to rebuild when half your team leaves? It makes it almost impossible. Well, not only that, but it it it, it puts a it puts a, a fat lip on the Big Sky Conference when you have a like as you just said a mass exodus. Guess what? You don't have a mass entry. People are are why are that many people leaving in droves? Like you can't you can't make up for that. Uh, this is why this has been a talking point on the show forever because this is fascinating because I think that there's so many different factors. Northern Arizona just landed a recruit. I'm going to look up his name here in just a minute. But they just landed a guy who is the antithesis of what we're talking about. This dude was the number three scorer at Virginia Tech last year. He averaged 11 points per game in the ACC. And he had offers from DePaul, Creighton, Texas Tech, Oregon State. And he goes to Northern Arizona. And he said... I want to come be the best player on the team. I want to come be the man. I want to come lead a team back to glory, blah, 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 blah. I do think we're going to see, because the pendulum always swings, right? Always. But here, here's here's the thing that's been so unfortunate about this most recent offseason, because transferring has always been a thing. And if you have an opportunity, you know, honestly, I think if, if, you, if you encounter an adverse situation and you walk away from it, that's weak. If you have an elevated opportunity, like if you're Holland Woods, for example, from Portland State last year, he was a two-time first-team All-League player, and he had an opportunity to go to Arizona State. Mm-hmm. It's hard to kill the kid for that. He's going to go play in the Pac-12. That's where he, he's from. There, he's from uh, Southern Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's going to go home and get to play elevated competition. Okay. Then you got guys like um, Michael Stedman for the Grizz, who just walked away right in the middle of the season. That is the most concerning part. That's where you are quitting. That's where you are quitting on your team more than even quitting on yourself. And that in itself is concerning. But then you got like Eastern Washington, where the coach leaves, mm-hmm. that opens a, a whole new door. Right. But then also their athletic department's in a state of complete and utter disarray. There's all this speculation they might have to move down to Division two, two because of finances. So then they have eight guys leave, including the MVP of the league in Tanner Groves, first-team all-league player in Kim Aiken. Stud. And a variety of other guys. So there's all, all these different layers of it. But I just want to know, what's your broad perspective on this? Because I think on one hand, I think that because of social media and shows like this and all this stuff, I do think that everything has become more accessible so people know about it a lot more. But it also seems like this is a disturbing trend because if the best, if the, if the bottom feeder players in the Big Sky are walking away, then it is what it is. It's nothing you're ever going to be able to mitigate. Probably the bottom 20% are always going to either quit or move down or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when the best players in the league are walking away, that's really detrimental to the brand and, uh, in general. And that's and that's what I was saying uh, right before y- y- you went on to what you were saying. This hurts the guys that may not be from the Virginias or Vautex that are going to transfer down and try to be the men. This hurts recruiting going forward for those kids that are, you know, high school juniors and seniors trying to get to that next level that may not be able to play at an Oregon or a UW or, or something of that of that nature. This hurts, uh, you know, Big Sky uh, sports overall because when you again when you see a mass exodus and it's from several different schools, that's saying pro. Program-wise, there's something going on at all of these universities. Program-wise, there's something going on within this region. Why? Is it the school? Is it is it is it the weather? Is it being socked into the mountains? Whatever the factors are, whenever you see that, it is a black eye for the league. It makes people hesitant, especially if they're not going to do their homework. And this is where it becomes so muddled. Mm-hmm. Because, again, Idaho... Got into so so. Long story short, Idaho had a, a, a pretty significant scandal on campus that was very akin to the scandal that hit the University of Montana. Mm-hmm. I always do think that it's it's so. Um, oh, I got to use the right wording here. What happened at Montana? If you don't know every single element of what happened at the University of Montana, then you don't know any of it because mm-hmm. there was so many different factors. There, there was. Uh, we're not even going to go down the rabbit hole. But what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, when the dust all settled at the University of Montana, there was an, uh, a best-selling book that was written about the town and the university, and there was a, a sexual assault scandal mm-hmm. that actually only produced one guilty sexual assault charge. We don't need to go down. The no. the rabbit hole. But no. what I'm saying is, when you compare and contrast though, that quote-unquote scandal mm-hmm. to what happened at Baylor, where you have 11 convictions, or what happened at Idaho, where you have six 
convictions. Or Duke University. Or Duke, where you have like a massive, violent, horrific thing that happens with the lacrosse team. Again, we don't want to digress all the way down here. All I'm saying is Idaho had, 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 a, had a fundamental issue on their campus. It resulted in the firing of their president and their athletic director. They wanted to get the head basketball coach out because they wanted to just clean the slate for everything mm-hmm. when it came to the athletic department. And so they basically fired Don Berlin for two things. One, Idaho one year, they, did, they had so many guys that were hurt that they didn't have enough guys to practice, so they had a couple student managers practice. NCAA violation. Another time, Don Berlin lost his contact during a practice, so he goes to the bathroom to, to put the contact back in. Uh, one of the grad assistants or somebody somebody that was not a full assistant coached violation. They used these as an NCAA violation probe to then fire him with cause, whatever. So then you result. So I guess what I'm saying is that there's a lot of turmoil at the athletic department as well as within the ranks of the basketball program. So guys leaving is not that surprising. No. You take the financial situation to Eastern as well as Shantae Leggins leaving for Portland. Mm. Okay. That's also not that surprising. Mm-hmm. Where I get to be worried is where you have a program like at Montana State where you have an alum in Danny Sprinkle who is uh, an awesome guy, a mm-hmm. good coach. He goes on a run that's unprecedented uh, in the last 20 years of the Bobcats to get to the championship game of the Big Sky Tournament. I, I mean, Coach Sprinkle comes on this show every single week. Coach Sprinkle is one of the most generous and gracious guys. He's a true Montanan. He's polite and kind to everybody. When you watch him coach, I mean, he's not the crazy hard-ass rip-you-to-shreds coach. No, he's, he's a, not he, at all. He's just a dude, and he's, he's perfect for new-age kids, all of it. So then what I worry is then when they just had the best season in 20 years at Montana State, they still got five dudes in the portal. Travis DeCure's built one of the best programs in the West Coast. All sorts of dudes in the portal. Well, they had three dudes quit in the middle of the, the season. season. So then that's where I worry is like, where are we at then with just the culture of kids? Because, I mean, if you're, if you're I, I guess, I don't know. I, 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 there's so many different layers to it, but like, I know Travis Secure is an incredibly hard coach. I don't ever want him to change. That's who he is. That's what he's about. But when Michael Stedman can't handle that, he just walks away. Well, let's, I, it's, it's a fundamental issue. Let's 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 separate sports from the kid. Let's talk about this generation, right? And for the 20-somethings the listening, please do not key my car. Please don't egg my kid at school. This is not a disrespectful thing. No, just look in the mirror. Just that, too. The... <laughs> The fact of the matter is, is that there's this generation right now, it's the instant gratification. They don't want to be built upon. I want it when I want it, how I want it, swipe right, Instagram, check this. I need it, I want it, I have to have it. There's something called building that has, that foundational-wise, that has escaped this generation because everything's just been given to them. Yes. There's a, there's a certain work ethic that has escaped this generation because everything's so single-serving. I want a new phone every two years. Buy. I can lease this. Buy. I can get credit. Buy. We live in such a single-serving fight club world right now that when you have to bump up against adversity and someone tells you, hey, your poop stinks just like mine, I need to leave. I need to go somewhere else. And we live in, in, in these athletes that are treated like gods, even though they're still sure. kids, right? can't handle it. Because their hands have been held or they've been put up on these pedestals. And now you get a you get an old school, hard-nosed coach like Dakir who's like, if you want to be better, you have to get better and put in the work. Yep. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it. Practice? Practice? And this is this is why everything this this entire situation is a double-edged sword. It's nuanas now. 1029 ESPN, Missoula, Statewide Television, SWX Montana, Regime Seabrook. Joining me, Coulter Nuanez. Happy Friday, everybody. But the double-edged sword is that I don't want Travis Takir to change as a coach. I think the no. way that he coaches his guys, I think that the the discipline and accountability, like he always says, I don't have rules. I got expectations. Like he tells his guys, Love it. there is no rule. If you get in trouble, you're in trouble. Uh, you better hope that you don't see me first. Yeah. But, but I got expectations, not rules. That said, I do think that coaching is acclimating to kids, but I don't want Travis DeCure to have to acclimate to, or any coach for that matter. I'm just using Coach DeCure as an example, mm-hmm. but to acclimate to this entitlement generation. But on the other hand, I'll stick up for Michael Stedman for a minute because I know Michael Stedman as well, and I've talked to Michael Stedman since he left the Grizz basketball team. 
and there was a fundamental uh, miscommunication in all of the things that the coaching staff wanted from him, at least in his eyes, and what what he wanted out of them, and, and everything. So I think that there's there's two sides to all of it. But this all comes full circle to me because finish what you start, and, th- th- and this is it. Period. This is it because here's here's the thing that I think is fundamentally lost on everybody. And I was trying to teach my four year old nephew this last weekend when I was hanging out with him. Uh, he was riding his bike, and I was I was jogging, and we were having races. Mm-hmm. And he's not used to losing. And I was beating him every other time, and he would yes. freak out. Yes. And I kept tell, trying to tell him, though, man, every because he loves the NBA, and I could tell him, dude, LeBron had to lose for 10 years before he ever won. Michael Jordan had to lose for eight years before he ever won. Charles Barkley became one of the 15 best players of all time because he never got to truly win at the highest level. Mm-hmm. But the point is that... There's all sorts of great things you learn from coming together as a team and building chemistry and camaraderie and winning at the highest level like your boys at Sentinel did this last year. Mm-hmm. You you learn so much more from sports from losing. Oh. I, I learned so much more, not from the state ba- baseball championship teams I played on, not from the semifinal football teams I played on, my, se- my senior year when we went 3-18 and 18 in basketball, and I didn't get to even check into the game against Hellgate because they were the eventual state champs, and I'm just sitting there like, what the hell's going on? Taught me more about it, life than anything. And and that's the part that I worry is that the adversity, the the when it gets hard, how do you react? The building of character, that's what's going to go away if we continue down this road, whether it's professional, collegiate, Youth, whatever level of sports. Yeah, I I love that. And 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 for me, Coulter, I, I just I love the way you just illustrated that. You've got to be able to get knocked down and get back up. What's wrong with this generation is they get knocked down and they want to stay knocked down and then point at their bloody lip like someone else is supposed to fix it. Here's the thing. If you want something in this world, you have to work for it. We have a very entitled society right now i want all the benefits i want two weeks vacation i want i want my coffee break at 9 15 and 2 15 in the afternoon but i don't want to show up until 10 o'clock and i want to leave at three you can't have that now we have this this counterculture of i want to be accountable by convenience i want to be responsible when it's convenient And that can't happen. It creates an incongruity, especially when you have younger athletes, uh, young men dealing with older men and women who are who are cut of a different cloth. What do we do then? What what's how do you how do you change it? You know, I'll be I'll be honest. We 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 got to go back to basics a lot in this country. I I was talking to some of the you know some of the people that work here when COVID broke. Everyone was in a panic, right? And then panic. <laughs> straight panic. Straight pa- manic panic, right? <laughs> I thought but, I was going to live in a hotel room with Tutel and Boise for the rest of my life. I thought we were stuck forever. Dude, I was looking at hot water boxes being like, <laughs> how reinforced is that? <laughs> um, you know, I was ready to bid the cardboard dominium. So the, the, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is that all of a sudden we got back to basics, because we weren't able to go to work. We got back to being at home. We got back to cooking. We weren't going out. We weren't going to McDonald's. Like We got back to basics as a society. And all of a sudden, that was kind of cool. We need to get back to basics on society again. You want to work for something, you will be rewarded. You want to get into the school, guess what? You have to do your homework. I'm dealing with my eight-year-old mm-hmm. with this. There's a difference between doing homework and studying. Right. You're always going to do your homework. Dad's going to bust your hump to study, especially right. as he gets closer to middle school. Because if you want those things, you have to prep for them. Going back to the societal things with sports, as much as I love sports, as much as I love coaching, you're just an athlete. Right. That's all you are. You're someone who can throw a toothpick 58 yards. You're someone who can run at 4-4 speed. That's great. I get up at 5.30 and go to work. Guess what I don't make? $20 million. Right. Right? We need to get back to what sports are. It's entertainment. It's not a way of life. And stop emulating what we see on the screen. You are a young man or a young woman in college. You are here to be educated. If you make it to the next level, God bless you. Go for it. But while you're here, we're going to mold you how to be a young man or a young woman and prepare you for life. And if you're quitting and walking out on your team, regardless of how you feel, you quit. Just like if I get into an argument tomorrow with my boss and I walk out and I quit my job, I'm not just quitting my job. Guess what I just did? I quit on my family. I quit on my aspirations. I quit on my dreams. I quit on being able to overcome the adversity within conflict. 
Let's go. Get over yourselves. That the double-edged sword is so pertinent throughout all of this too, because I, I will say as as much as I've been I've scrutinized what's what this exodus, especially on the men's side of things, has done to the landscape of Big Sky Conference men's basketball. Also, I fully understand why there's a variety of reasons that have nothing to do with quitting or folding or or backing away from adversity because of the last year. Right. These athletes right. have been under uh, we've all been under uh, a lot of stress. We've all had different uh, we we've all had to learn how to operate in different ways. But I will tell you this, particularly men's college basketball players have had to live by a completely different set of societal rules than anyone else in America. Period. Because the NCAA had to have had to have the NCAA tournament. Without it, the NCAA no longer exists. Nope. That means not only does the NCAA no longer exist, but that means there's no championships for any women's sport ever again. Nope. There's no women's track and field championships or volleyball championships or soccer, any non-revenue sport. It fails to exist. So it was an essential portion of it, but they also had to sacrifice the mentality and, in a lot of cases, the sanity of a lot of kids. And, you know, for example, if you or I think we have COVID or we have a close contact or we have a positive test, the responsible thing would be to stay home. Absolutely. But it's not an absolute requirement. If you have a close <laughs> if you have a close contact right, right. if you have a close contact, you should stay home. You should you should help everybody else out. But there's no one sitting at your door watching you. Well, when one person on the men's basketball team for Montana State or Montana tests positive, now everybody has to sit their ass in their dorm room for 10 days. Mm-hmm. It's prudent, it's pertinent, but it's also a different set of rules than anybody else gets to do. If you and I want to go out to eat, even in the height of it or whatever, we could. We could go sit in the corner. And is it smart? I don't know. I'm not here to debate any of that. Right. But we could. Like these dudes on the University of Montana men's basketball team, they had three freshmen this year. I had all three of them on the show. I'm like, well, what's going on? Like, how you living? How how you? What do you think of Missoula? He's like, lockdown, dude. I haven't done anything. Like, we get sandwiches hung on the on the doorstop, you know, by the coaches. Like, we don't even get to go to the drive-through or whatever. Like, so I do I do commiserate in that element of it. Two more points though. One. I had uh, a gentleman in here from the uh, the newly, uh, I guess, reborn uh, Missoula Youth Boxing Club. And we were talking a lot about the aggression of young people or lack thereof, but also just the, the cultivation of toughness and uh, the, the, the learning of channeling of energy in a both a positive and negative fashion. And I, I thought about this, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm about to turn 34. And I think that is where you, you when you, you're you probably, so young. But you, God, probably, but you young. probably remember at this age, though, when you, you've, you've thought you were a man and you think you're a man or whatever, but then you start to look around and you're like, well, now I actually am, you know, I'm, I'm actually a dozen years older than these college football guys that I'm covering. I actually do have, you know, I have done my career for more than 10 years. I actually do have some sort of authority. I can go and talk to clients with some reverence of historical knowledge and things like that. And, but I was thinking even probably just guys that are maybe two years younger than me beyond that fighting has largely disappeared. Just fighting, fighting on the playground, fighting out back, fighting on the tank trails, whatever it might be. And again, double-edged sword. That's a good thing in a lot of ways. We don't need people punching each other's teeth out at lunch during high school. But, buddy, <laughs> that's a pecking order. That's exactly. very natural, exactly. and people forget that. Exactly, 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 exactly. And this is what I was talking about with the gentleman from the, from the boxing club. Right. Was that many, many young people, particularly many, many young men, are going to have a lot of energy pent up inside themselves. A lot of times it's negative energy. A lot of times it's over-aggressiveness, right. testosterone, all this stuff. Right. How do we channel it? If they don't play football, well, then what's the other outlets for it? And that's why I think that going to your local boxing club, your boys and girls clubs used to be boxing clubs. Yeah. Going to those places and learning how to to fight, release your energy, channel your energy, release your aggression, establish a pecking order, but in a safe way, in a trained way, is so essential. And I wonder how much of this not being able to deal with adversity, but also not being able to overcome obstacles is because these kids grow up not having to fight in the most literal sense of the word. I think the word that we're kind of circling around that has yet to be brought out, especially in the midst of stuff like boxing and martial arts, discipline. 
We have not had enough discipline to discipline ourselves to, to, to say we need to kind of go around this and deal with it. Um, we're all going to have aggression and assertiveness. How are we going to nature and nurture that? Because that's part of what makes us animals, which what makes us human. How are we going to percolate and recirculate that energy so that it doesn't hinder us. Because if you look in a litter full of puppies, right? Uh, you know, eight month old puppies, what are they doing? They're nipping, they're barking, they're play fighting. What are little rams doing? They're button heads. What are rhinos doing? They're clashing. That's part of our natural process to see where we stand. That discipline of saying that pecking order, we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from having this alpha female and this beta female because everyone needs to go home with a trophy. Um, we, we, we've gotten away from what makes us dominant and or recessive. And, and this is so interesting because I have analyzed this extensively on this show. There was this broad cultural stance that many people, particularly many uh, ignorant males, took that women's basketball was a horrific sport and not worth watching. Love and, women's and basketball. And I think that, I think that for a, a, a while, it's not that women's basketball was bad. It was just hard to market it because they were trying to play the same game as the men. And now, with the way the game's evolved over the last 15 to 20 years, it's a fundamentally different sport. And in many ways, in most ways to me, a much more appealing sport at the collegiate level. It's so much more skill-based, the execution, the way they space the floor, the way they move. But the other number one factor that sets women's basketball to men's basketball apart for me mm-hmm. is that in men's basketball, there is no alpha dog. Because everybody thinks they're the alpha dog. They want to be the alpha dog, but they have no idea how to be the alpha dog. Mm-hmm. In women's basketball, there's no question who the alpha dog is, almost mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. The alpha almost always rises to the top. The hierarchy of respect is so in order. And like the tribal elements of what we want out of a team, they are more prevalent in women's college basketball than any other sport, in my opinion. Buddy, why do you think I coach more girls basketball 100%. than I do boys basketball? No question. Because girls play team. I love team ball. I will. If someone said, I will pay you $500,000 to coach a men's team, or I'll pay you $80,000 to coach a women's team, I'll take the $80,000 to coach girls. Because you know why? Those women will play together. Those egos will be buried. For sure. And the greater good of what is supposed to happen will take place. And like you just said, me included, us meathead men, ooga, ooga, let me thump my chest. <laughs> Me, 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 and more me. That beautiful word called narcissism comes about, so right? So true, man. And 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 I will I will I will take a girls team over a boys team. Sorry, fellas, but I will coach girls any day over the week than boys just from that perspective alone. And honestly, I mean you would you you you'd agree with this. If you were to take a, a of a straw poll of of a women's team. Mhm. Tell us who our best player is, who our toughest player is, who our most inspiring player is. It would almost be unanimous in the votes of each of the roles because of the way that they're so much better at communicating their roles and understanding and filling their roles. Whereas if you were to poll a men's team, who's the best player? Me. Half the dudes would vote for themselves and half the dudes would vote for a different dude than who actually is the best player. I thought about this all the time when I was covering Montana State when they had Tyler Hall. And Tyler Hall was the best player in the, the league. guy. And they had multiple dudes on his own team that didn't think he was the best dude on their own team. So they're like trying to steal Tyler Hall's shine. It's like, man, this guy's going to the NBA. I know he's in the G League, but he's still, he's he's, he's on a two-way contract with the New York Knicks. He's one of the 500 Mm -hmm. best basketball players in the world, period. Mm -hmm. And these dudes over here who are like not even starting in the Big Sky Conference are trying to steal this guy's shine. And it's just unbelievable to me. But here nor there, I just, I think that, uh, I think that back to the, the original point, I think that, re-infiltrating or uh, re-initiating some form of a defined pecking order when it comes to combat, particularly when it comes to men's sports, I think would be incredibly beneficial. And again, I'm not saying go down the tank trails and punch each other's teeth out on your lunch break, but if there was some sort of organized and controlled way for young men to channel their energy, I think it would be so beneficial and this is not some revolutionary idea. We had this throughout all of time, whether it was required military service or 
just the prevalence of boxing clubs or martial arts, and now nobody's doing any of those things. And I think mm-hmm. it's having a fundamental effect on the male psyche, particularly young men. I think so, too. And I, I, I think, but part of that, too, going uh, to what you said, we have also not balanced our young men. We have stigmatized things that would actually kind of cut down on some of those negative aspects of being over testosterone, being over aggressed. No question. Like, we, 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 we tell men that being emotional is a sign of weakness, so that the only emotion that we show is anger, conceit, or narcissism, right? right, right so we right. have pigeonholed ourselves into being a persona as opposed to being the man and the person from within. Uh, expounding upon that, we have yet to teach other men balance that, buddy, it's okay to let stuff go. It's okay to let control go. Because right now, all, you have all the control in the world and you're still not making any progress. Let it go. And then just going back to another societal uh, thing, men stop being angry. I had a conversation with a friend earlier today. Men, and I hope a lot of you are listening, we are angry. I get it. But guess what? You're more sad and frustrated and anxious than you are angry. Your anger is a secondary emotion. You're angry because you're sad. You're angry because you're frustrated. You're angry because you don't know how to communicate with your wife, your daughter, or your mother. That's why you're angry. Check your anger at the door and get your feelings in order. Check your aggression and be a man. Dealing with, I love that too, because dealing with some of the, I do think that the the alpha males do fundamentally exist still in the college coaching ranks, and that's where I think we have this crossroads, particularly with the coaches that we like. Just let's just take this last year for the 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 most visible men's sports and college sports in Montana. You have Bobby Houck, Travis DeCure, Jeff Choate, and Danny Springle. Yep, all four great alpha males in different veins, mm-hmm. but all four great leaders and all four uh, great at communicating their demands of pretty much everybody within their organization or even on the fringes of their organization. Right. And I just worry so much that they that we're reaching this crossroads where it's, it's, it's becoming not only accepted, but also in some ways even encouraged to gravitate away from that sort of leadership style, right? To grab it, to, mm. to, to think that a guy like Jeff Choate, I mean, I, I, Coach Choate's at Texas now, so I know he's not listening today, but I'll tell you, I mean, I've, I've said how much respect I have for his leadership style and, and the way he operates, but here's the thing about Coach Choate that I always respected when you talk about anger and channeling your anger. The thing I always loved about Choate was I got sideways with him probably about a dozen times in the five years that, that we, uh, that I was covering him where I, I wrote something he didn't like, or there was something, you know, said on the show or whatever, but here's, here's where I love Choate. Choate would call you or call you into his office. He would rip your face off. And then within a second, after, after his point was made and you stood up for yourself and you exchanged a dialogue, even if you were yelling at each other, all is good. All is good. Can we can we put that across the board of America right now? Right. Like, hey, we can argue and agree to disagree, but I'm still going to listen to you and possibly engage in a perspective outside of myself. God forbid. Right. And not be, and this is kind of going back to the men, being threatened. Yes. Men, why do we feel threatened by other men? Exactly. Let it go. Or, or get it out. And then be cool about it afterwards, right? It's okay to have conflict. If you're pissed off at me, call me, tell me, I'll tell you, and then we can shake hands and it's all good. And then that one four-letter word called next comes into fruition. Uh, it, it, exactly, exactly. We could talk psychology of humans yes, all day, but yes, we got to talk about psychology of quarterbacks instead. Nuana is now 102.90 ESPN Missoula, Statewide TV, SWX Montana, NFL quarterback draft analysis. Who's overrated? Who's underrated? Why does everybody hate Justin Fields all of a sudden? All that and more. Regime Seabrook, Coulter, Nuanas, right here at 1290 ESPN Missoula, right after this. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home. Not me. Y'all cats eat off the plate all you want, but not D. Uh, I get at these chickens from a distance. The instant they start to catch feelings, I start to steal and they quick. Then I'm out just like a thief in the night. I sink my teeth in the bite. You think your life I'm thinking more like? What's up tonight? Come on, ma. You know I got a wife. Even though that c- tight, I ain't gonna jeopardize my life. Woo! <laughs> R.I.P. DMX, man. 
those three albums were, uh, that, first of all, that has to be one of the best runs in rap history just in terms of how explosive the albums were. All three of DMX's first three albums debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. All three went platinum five times at least, and then there was X went platinum seven times. People got to understand that at this moment in time, besides probably All Eyes on Me from Tupac and The Chronic, there was probably no other multi-platinum Albums. There was multi-platinum singles, but as far as like three or more million records sold at that moment, man, maybe Jay Z. Yeah, the, the the volume one, volume two, the blueprint, volume one, volume two probably had gone multi-platinum. But regardless, to sell twenty million records in three and a half to four years, have three straight albums debut at number one, like DMX did. It was a moment in time they'll never replicate it because now it's all about mixtapes and singles and all this stuff. And co- collabs. But man, like though, and the fact that those, I mean, DMX's story—if you don't believe in transcendent talent or having the art within your soul—I mean, the guy was an admitted crack addict from the time he was fourteen years old. He'd been arrested and been in prison like ten times by the time he even released an album, and then he went back to that life too. And that's why, unfortunately, he's dead. Mm-hmm. But he had the music inside of him to be able to deal with that level of demons and addiction, but still be able to put your soul, bear your soul in music, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. My brother Ramik used to say he was the, uh, at the time. And it, it totally makes sense. He was the Allen Iverson of rap. That's, that's so true, man. And, 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 and it's so accurate. And if you think they were there right at the same time, so it's so interesting to think of that too, right? Because you like that one, don't I, you? I, I love it because because the the original, you know, the 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 OG guys, the guys in the eighties, the Grandmaster Flashes and the uh, Melly Mel, Melly Mel, Eric, Eric, absolutely, Run DMC. These, these dudes were were more poets, yes. And then the dudes like the the Death Row guys, these dudes were more journalists. Like these dudes are straight up telling the story of the streets. Narrative. And same with Nas. Like you got East Coast, West Coast, but like Biggie and Nas were telling St- the East Coast. Weavers would weave exactly. a tale. And and like the, the NWA guys, they're telling the stories of the West Coast. But then DMX is telling telling you about the darkness. Yeah. He's telling you about the bottom. Yeah. Of his own experience. Welcome to the dregs. Unbelievable. For real. Nuana's now 1029 ESPN Missoula, RIP DMX. Sorry if you're not in on it like we are, but it is. I, I just I thought it was uh, uh, an, uh, a, re- a revelatory moment for me, for him to die. For so many different things. Like Regime said, our own mortality, but also just what at the moment in time that that meant to me because I was just a 13-year-old kid that just became obsessed with this super hardcore rap. I mean, my parents, my mom, if she would have known that I was listening to that when I was that age, would have just been floored. She would have been appalled. You but if you're, most but, of the households in Iowa. But if you're listening, mom, it was definitely one of the best things that ever happened to me. It was definitely <laughs> one of the best parts of my education as a child. There's no question about it. Thanks so much for watching or listening or wherever you might be consuming this. Regime Seabrook in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez, And it's now time to talk some NFL. Yeah, yeah. So here's where we're at, Regime. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, they got the number one pick. I think it's indisputed that they're going to take Trevor Lawrence, number one, out of class. They're the Jaguars. They'll probably, like, trade it away. They are, <laughs> they're the Jets of the South. No question. But regardless, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going number one. What happens after that, though, could get pretty wild because we've already seen a bunch of movement. There's a bunch of teams in the top 10 that want quarterbacks. There's a bunch of teams that are trying to move into the top five to get quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. The most recent trade, Sam Darnold being traded away from the New York Jets. Now we know what the future holds for them in terms of it's not going to be Darnold. No. They seem to be, the leaks seem to be gravitating toward that they're going to take Zach Wilson out of BYU. We'll get to that in a second. The 49ers traded up to number three. They want, a, the house. they want a quarterback. They gave away a bunch to get it. The leaks right now indicate that they want to take Mac Jones out of Alabama. And then the other two quarterbacks that have first round or even top 10 talent, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, who's played 17 college games in his whole life and has never even played against an FBS opponent, yet has the amazing upside, phenomenal athlete, and was uh, you know, had one of the great freshman seasons of the history of college football at North Dakota State. And then you got Justin Fields, the guy who was a three-year starter at Ohio State, um, multiple times in the college football playoff. Unbelievably prolific numbers. You could argue the most pro-ready quarterback Ohio State's produced in the last 20 years or maybe ever. Even like Dwayne Haskins? 
<laughs> what's, wrong, what's up with D? Dwayne, I don't know if Dwayne Haskins has the um, mental discipline to ever be able to grasp what you need to grasp at an NFL level. He's too busy going to the uh, the club. Up in the club. So, let's start with just your evaluation of these four first-round guys. Because to me, I think it's completely all backwards. I, I think that we've seen, over the last 15 years, for whatever reason... Scouting quarterbacks, evaluating quarterbacks has evolved away. From, it used to be how many games have you won? How much film do you have? Now it's all about what have you done for me lately? How'd you look at your pro day? Who's the rising star who we don't have any knocks on? We've seen multiple times guys that had a ton of college film and a ton of college reps and a ton of college achievements. Deshaun Watson falls out of the top 10. Justin Herbert falls. He goes at number six, but he still fell behind multiple quarterbacks mm-hmm. because he was a four-year starter. And now I think the same thing's happened into fields. It seems like now, it used to be, we want film and wins. Now, if you have film and wins, we're going to find ways to tear you down. We want the guy who we have nothing to tear down, but we're going to pick the guy who we have nothing to tear down, and he doesn't have anything he's ever accomplished. And that's how you get Mitch Trubisky, who I think Zach Wilson is the next version of. Your thoughts? My thoughts, it's it's the, going back to the last segment, we want flash in the pan. We want it right now. We want what's sexy. We want what's bright. We want what's fast, as opposed to building up a foundation. We are back, and this is reflective, uh, and reflection is eternal, of what we were just talking about. I want it now. I want it quick. I want to swipe right. Get him in. <laughs> right. Back in the day, you would draft a quarterback in the first round. He wouldn't play for five years. He would be groomed, just like a pitcher would be. Just like you know, uh, the, the the all-star slugger. You 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 bid your time, just like we were taught by our grandparents. You bide your time. You work real hard. You get your pension. You retire. You move to Florida, Arizona. Right. This now, Coulter is the immediate. I want what's super quick, super fast, and even though it isn't proven. I want it because it looks good. It's going to sell jerseys, and he'll be on the cover of Madden in a year. The problem with that is there's nothing, like you said, there's no body of work. There's, there's, there's no substance to go with the style. There's, there's nothing to substantiate giving someone who has not faced high competitive, uh, 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 highly, you know, highly competitive uh, competition. How are you going to do that? But then the flip side, you've played a lot of devil's advocate today. I'll do the same. When I'm hiring someone as an intern, sometimes it's nice to hire the person who has only worked, even if they're you know over the age of 20-something years old, it's nice having the person who's only worked one job sure. for 15 years. Sure. Because they not, they're not as tainted by so many other philosophies for other organizations. Same thing with these football players. You've only had a year? You're not tainted by three bad coaches, two offensive coordinators, blah, 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 blah. Right. We'll take you now and mold you the way we want to mold you. So you can go either which way. But I, the one thing about these this specific group, though, is that I don't think any of them are tainted only because... Tainted's a strong word. Well, I was just... Well, no, totally. I, I guess that here's the crossroads the NFL reached and that they're still trying to navigate. For... For a long time, it was very linear. You're the most winning quarterback in college. You're going to be the, the next guy in the pros. Right. Joe Montana is going to be Joe Montana. Right. Steve Young's going to be Steve Young. These guys right. are going to be what they are. Then, all of a sudden, everybody in college started running the spread. Everybody in the NFL is running pro style. So now you're trying to go look for the under-the-rock guys, the Carson Wentz's and the Matt Ryan's and the guys that are running pro-style offenses in college mm-hmm. because you don't think you can teach a Troy Smith from Ohio State or you know a Johnny Manziel from Texas A&M to run a pro-style offense because he's running a different offense. Right. Well, now everybody in the NFL is running the spread. So now you're getting the you're getting the tried-and-true training. Like, Mac Jones used to be – he wouldn't be – he wouldn't be uh, applicable to the NFL because he'd have to learn a new system. system right, now the right, system right. is what it is, right? Now, Patrick Mahomes changed everything. Russell Wilson changed everything. Now these dudes are straight running the spread. So now you are, you can, like, look at Kyler Murray. Everybody said, oh, 5'10", can't do it, whatever. Well, yeah, he can. Boys You're, all over the field. Do you just run the same offense he's run since he's in high school and he's ready to roll? And so that's the crossroads. So the other thing is, too, though, I totally get what you're saying. You want a, a fresh voice for somebody you're trying to mold. But I also think that like Mac Jones, no matter where he goes, is not going to have the skill talent he had last year at Alabama. Those th- no, those two receivers and that running back are all going to be day one starters in the NFL. Like if Mac Jones somehow went to the Jets, like Najee Harris is way better than any running back the Jets have had in ten years. Devontae Smith is 
I mean, you know what I'm saying, though. No, like, no, you're right. You're I mean, right. I mean, Najee, no, I mean, Najee Harris would be the best running back on the Jets right now, right? Yes. Devonte Harris or Devonte, uh, the receiver, Devonte Smith, Smith would be would be the best receiver the Jets got right now, right? Probably the best since Wayne Corbett. That's what I'm saying. So Absolutely. Like, so so how? But then how does Mac Jones thrive because he's going to have less skill talent? That's the dichotomy that we finally reached. Is it used to be hogwash to say that this guy played with better players his senior year of college than he will his rookie year in the NFL? Now it's not. Mm. Like those two dudes for. For uh, Ohio State, to Olave and uh, the other dude, like those dudes are both first round picks too, man. Like those dudes are Studs. those dudes are gonna, are better than most receivers in the NFL, or at least as good as most receivers in the NFL. So, I guess what I'm saying is you're gonna have elite only about comparable skill talent, not not offensive line, not on your team, but like the receivers and the running backs are so much more ready. So I just do think that those guys, it's a, such a fascinating, it's it, it's it's a it's a fresh analysis of guys like Mac Jones and Justin Fields. We've never been in the position before where the offenses are transferable. The skill positions could get worse for the guys when they enter the league. They're, they're pioneering. It's, it's, weird. it's weird to think about that. It is, right? It's very weird. It's, it's, it's almost like your brain doesn't want it to be. But let's talk about Justin Fields for a second. Yeah, let's do it. I would take Justin Fields over anyone else in this class. Thank you. So would I. Yep. Why has he fallen? I think that he's fallen for one reason, one reason alone. Because they have the most film on him, so they can cut him down the most. Well, that and, and well, yeah, they've had a longer time to observe, which gives you more time to criticize. Exactly. Bingo. Yeah, I think you're right. The biggest criticism is he doesn't throw well when he doesn't have a clean pocket. Well, that those takes come from the college game days when he's going against Alabama and Clemson. No one, you know what no I'm one's saying? That, that, that's it. It was like taking Tampa Bay's defense against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. It's the same exact the, type of rush. The other thing, the other criticism is he's not tough. I don't know how he's not tough. He played with like he got his he got his entire middle half of his body broken, and he still played. I don't know. I, I just I just think that sometimes this this now these these uh, the, people are just grasping for straws. They're just trying to find something to criticize. And I also think uh, since the pandemic broke, everyone who has two turntables and a microphone has an opinion, a feeling, and a thought. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, with that being said, we've had more time to nitpick because there's been less to do. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll give the pandemic pickiness part of that as well. You got more time to sit around and watch film, more time to sit around and talk, more time to sit around and criticize and and, and poke fi- and you know poke fingers at. More on NFL quarterbacks to finish up the week here on Nuanas Now. Regime Seabrook riding with me, Coulter Nuanas. Keep it right here, one two nine ESPN Missoula. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Yeah, it's too good, man. Bring me all the way back. I'm straight up. I'm going to go get my, and then there was XCD and put it straight in the car. Right after this anthem of my youth, I oh, love it. I'm Spotifying it the whole way home, dude. That just wait. that just got the blood pumping. And it's Friday, the best day that ends in Y outside of payday. <laughs> Let's go. You're cooking some fish tonight, I heard. Let's fry it up, baby. I love it. Let's fry it. Where'd you get your recipe? You got to come over, man. You got my cooking. I, I, don't, know. I don't need. I got family recipe. No, I know bro. you do. I know yeah, you do. I, I got it. So I teach cooking classes. Is fish fry big in the Northeast? Because I know it's big in the South, but it's big in the Northeast. Too? It is big in the Northeast, man. You know how many Catholics are in the Northeast? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Friday yeah. fish. That's Bingo, right. Baby. Fish Let's eaters, go. baby. That's true. That's so true. Nuanas now. One hundred two nine ESPN Missoula. Regime Seabrook in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Thanks so much for ending your week with us. Hopefully, you have a big weekend planned. Chris, football back in the saddle tomorrow. That's going to be pretty darn fun. That's what I'm doing. 
I'm so out of practice, I didn't even get my media passes until right before the show, but I got them. And so we'll have full coverage, SkylineSportsMT.com. Also working on maybe a post-game show next week. Couldn't really get it together this week. It's been sort of hectic, but maybe next week we'll have a little uh, post-game you want to go old get school? Together. You want to do a little post game Grizz? Yeah, if it's we been can, a minute. If we can, if we can get a little, if we can get a little sponsor action, then we can definitely but get I, this I, done. I got the time, no question. Let's go. Are you in the cheese? MissoulaEvents.com new cheddarboard platform supports online, live, and on-demand events hosted by your favorite Missoula breweries, restaurants, boutiques, fitness studios, and more. Visit MissoulaEvents.net backslash cheddarboard to access your code today. They're just trying to get the word spread about all sorts of different events throughout the city of Missoula and keep you COVID safe as well. Okay, so back to this NFL quarterback discussion. Uh, I, you, you said, and, I, and then I rudely interrupted you, that you think Justin Fields is the best quarterback in this draft. I agree. Why? Because he's... I'll take a four-year start over Flash in the Pan. I'll take the offense that is run at Ohio State. Uh, I love. I'm a Big Ten fan. It's good football, Great good football. competition. Yep. You know, from from the top of the tops to the bottom of the uh, of the conference. Um, I just think he's ready. I also I like the way he interviews. I yep. think he's a heady young man. Um, and there's just certain things about him that he brings to the game that I think will evolve well on the next level. Unlike Dwayne Haskins. I've heard a piece of criticism about Fields that he's not impassioned enough of a leader. They, they say he's too he's too chill. He's too cool. So is Eli Manning. Two Super Bowl leaders and a Hall of Fame ticket. I also think that that part is overblown by the media. The leadership style thing. Because I do. there's a variety of different leadership styles. Like Matt Ryan is not some dynamic leader, but he's a very smart guy who's going to get his work done, and therefore people are going to follow him because of the example he sets. Joe Montana. I mean, Drew Brees is just your next door neighbor raking his leaves or whatever. But, totally. But he lives his life. You know, he's a consistent person, so then that makes him a consistent player, which then makes him easy to lead. I thought like when Baker Mayfield came in, he was that hoorah leader that everybody wanted. But I was thinking, well. If I'm a 35-year-old grown man, am I going to listen to this 21-year-old frat boy? But Mayfield has been consistent. That's what it takes, consistency. Now he's made the culture into that locker room to to follow his leadership style. But then you could also be the too too cool for school, smarter than everybody, Aaron Rodgers style. So I I think there's a lot of different ways. All right, so we only got about two minutes left. Tell me, we all know Trevor Lawrence going number one. Not who do you think they should pick, but who do you think the Jets will pick at number two? I'm from New York. The Jets are going to mess it up. It doesn't matter. That's my so answer. Take it doesn't B- matter. So they're going to take the BYU kid. Bust. Okay, so the number three, the Niners, there's all sorts of leaks that they're going to take Mac Jones, but I think they'd be more uh, apt to take Fields or Trey Lance. I think, I think they take either Trey Lance or Fields, and midway through the season, they trade Garoppolo. And, and the the bunny, the best part about that contract is that they signed with a big deal, but they loaded it up on the front end, not the back end. Mm-hmm. So they only owe Jimmy G about $2 million. And the rest is incentive-laden. And if he doesn't make his incentives, they save the money. Shrewd move, but smart move. Especially for a guy who can't stay healthy. And so they can uh, now, he can just be their backup quarterback if that's what the direction they end up going. Captain Clipboard. If the Niners, though, were to, to draft... Fields or Lance, don't you think that could be a pretty uh, pretty great implementation to that slick offense already? Well, I, I think Lance Lance does something. He he changes everything that they do. Fields walks right into where Garoppolo was. And I just want to give a shout-out to my boy, Mr. Ed at work. He's, he's about to turn 60, and he loves the show, and he loves Grizz Sports. Love it. Happy birthday, Mr. Ed. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.